everyone. Welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm really excited for today's episode because I literally stalk her boutique <laughs> online and also because this is the first time she's doing a podcast episode. So I'm like so grateful and honored that I get to be the person to like facilitate her first episode. But her name is Alora Smith. She's the CEO of Alora Eden, which is a boutique shop with a mission to encourage women to embrace what makes them different. And if any of you stalk the website like I do, you'll very quickly see it's got the checkered print, the alienware, like all that stuff that's just really embracing like this new era of, I don't know if it's millennials or Y2K or just this like funky, fun, playful way of expressing yourself in like an alien-esque, really unique way. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for coming on. And I'm, I'm so glad we actually get to connect like this is it in real life, but kind of like real life yeah. digitally. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm literally honored and I'm so excited to record my first podcast and be on the Corporate Quitter podcast. It's so cool. Yeah. And now that you're a corporate quitter, it's only fitting, which is so funny. I mean, I knew that you <laughs> were working on your boutique anyway and wanted to interview you in the background. But when you were like, oh, my God, I literally just quit my job. I was like, this is perfect. Yes. So can you actually like divulge into the story a little bit? Like, yeah. At one point in time, did you start the boutique? What made you quit? Like all the good stuff. So, well, the boutique started actually in 2020, as other many boutiques started in the pandemic. I was working in corporate America at a very well-known home improvement retailer called Lowe's. I know, shocker. <laughs> and let me preface this with saying I'm a fashion girly, like to the core. I have been in fashion and visual merchandising and retail since I was 18. So I was in a place in corporate America where I wasn't super happy with what I was doing. Also, I should probably say how I ended up at a home improvement retailer being a fashion girly. I worked many different positions starting at 18, like in stores. I fell in love with visual merchandising. I became a visual merchandising manager. That was Forever 21. I worked there for about four years. And great store. Yes, I know. Just imagine cleaning up that store is basically what I, I did. Like, Gosh, it was it I was can't fun. even imagine. It, it was it was like, it was very intense, but putting it all together and making the store look pretty again, I loved that so much. So then I was like, I got to a point early 20s. I was like, you know what? I want a big girl job. I want to be in corporate America. Like these corporate people would come in our stores all the time and like do all this cool stuff and like change everything around and I was like I want to be one of those girls and I ended up getting my first corporate job I worked for a very known retailer called Belk they're very popular here in the south I'm in Charlotte North Carolina so kind of like the southeast I actually worked there for almost two years and I was on the visual merchandising team there as well and it was really fun because we like traveled all the time I loved it I thought I was going to be at Belk forever and then I got laid off. <laughs> My entire team of 15 people, we all got laid off at the same time. Because the pandemic or was it? This was actually before the pandemic. So this was like 2018 is when the layoff happened. So being from Charlotte, North Carolina, there's just not a lot of fashion jobs around here, not a lot of big corporations. So I looked for months and weeks just like trying to find a job that I wanted and I couldn't find anything. And then one of my best friends was like, hey, you should apply to Lowe's. Like, I know it's not your thing, but like, like apply and see what it does. It's a good company to work for. And so by August of 2018, I had a job at Lowe's in merchandising. And I was in the lumber department, which is also complete opposite ends of the spectrum for me because a fashion girl going into lumber, like it was wild. 
So yeah, I just got to a point there in that position where I couldn't be creative. I couldn't express myself like creatively in my job. And it was just really hard for me. When you mean express yourself, was it in your actual fashion choices or was it like even in your language? Like what specifically was like just really hard for you in the corporate world being in Lowe's? I mean, obviously there's like you don't give a shit about lumber, but like, (laughs) you know, what were the other things? Lowe's was a great retailer to work for. I loved the company. I loved my team so much. And I was able to express myself there the way I dressed and everything. But I had been in jobs where I just got to create shit like all the time. And that is who I am. I am just like so creative, like artistic. And I was like in a desk job sitting at a computer screen. And if that's your thing, like good for you. And if that's what you want to do, like you go, girl. But like I knew that wasn't for me. And I had made myself a promise when I was 18. I was like, I never want to work a job that I don't love. And no, I didn't love the job at Lowe's, but it led me to where I'm at now because I was like, hey, I need a job where I can like create something. So in 2020, after about two years in, there was a a role I really desired at Lowe's in the product development world that I thought was like so cool and looked so appealing. I interviewed for it. This was like August of 2020. And I interviewed for the position. I really thought I had that job. Like my boss thought I had that job and my VP and I didn't I didn't get it, unfortunately, but it literally worked out for the better because me not getting that job two months later, I'm like laying in bed with COVID. Like, what am I going to do with my life? And I had this thought that just like hit me while I'm like scrolling on Instagram. Like, oh, my God, like I saw this other boutique and I was like, wait a minute, I could I could I could do this. So I like sat with it for a minute and I am very much like. I like kind of jumped the gun too quickly. That's just me probably, but I sat with it for like no, a, it's a great. Days. It's a very <laughs> great adaptable skill that people who are highly creative need to like utilize because if you don't jump on it, then you lose it. And like it's in those crazy impulse moments that you actually make progress. Exactly. Like at least that's how I view it because like then I don't I don't think I would be where I am today if I didn't do that. Like actually it's funny the same time that you had that aha moment of like, oh, I could do this was I was a guest on someone's podcast. <gasps> for shits and giggles found it on craigslist and then after that, i was like oh my god i can do this like i can really do this That's and now so here cool. we are three years later with an award-winning show so it's like it's just all it takes is a singular moment yes. of like oh my god i could do this yeah. and that sounds fun yeah. and then you run with it yeah you have like this aha moment and you just like know like in your gut like oh shit like this is what i should do so, so yeah. you had the moment i had the and moment then, like what was the next step um, like what, what did you start doing so the next step was i obviously went and talked to my husband about it and he was like okay, like, that's not a bad idea. Like, he he knew I wasn't super happy in my role at, at Lowe's with what I was doing. So he was like, okay, we'll talk to your mom about it. So my mom is an entrepreneur. She has been an entrepreneur for literally, like, since I was four, like, almost my whole life. She has her own nail salon. She has two franchises of, of makeup. She has a consignment store. My dad, who is also another entrepreneur, he's a massage therapist. So I come from like an entrepreneurial background. And so I I literally sat my mom down in my office and I had this whole PowerPoint presentation planned with like a business <laughs> plan. So formal. With like a business plan and like a vision board and like the, what I wanted to name it and everything. And I sat her down 
And she was like, I think that is a good idea. And she's like, I like the name. And the name Alora Eden is the name of the boutique. And my parents were actually going to name me Alora Eden and went with Alora Ann. So she's like, I love the name Alora Eden Boutique. After that, I just was like, all right, let's do this. And here we are. For people who are like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. Like, what are some of the things that you had to start doing? Is it like for you, was it like, OK, I had to figure out the name and the style of the clothing? Like how far in deep did you go before like going to like the nitty gritty of what like, you know, getting into purchasing manufacture, like manually clothing mm-hmm. and like purchasing the domain name? And like, do like mm-hmm. what would you recommend for people or what did you do that's that you started with? I immediately just started researching as much as I could about how to start a business, how to form a business, what an LLC is, what an S-Corp is, all the legal things of it. And there's plenty of information out there on Google, on YouTube. So those that's what I did for about the first like month or two because I literally had this idea in September and then I opened in November of 2020. So for those like two to three months, yeah, you're just like researching. And then my first buy of inventory obviously you don't know who your customer is and when you run a boutique that's or when you run any business you have to know who your customer is and who you're buying for Mm -hmm. and at that point like I didn't have a customer base I just kind of went off my own intuition and my own style and okay like I'm gonna buy these pieces because I love them so much maybe somebody else will wear them so that's what you'll do initially in the beginning is a lot of freaking research And I did it really quickly. That's like a a very short turnaround time, two to three months to get like your domain set up to get your Shopify or whatever e-commerce platform that you use, like set up all those things. But again, like I said, I jumped the gun really quickly. That's just me. But I do think I skipped out on the educational piece of it. I could have invested a little bit more time into learning about how to run a business before just going full force. So I would highly recommend taking on courses, getting a coach if you can. There's a lot of free podcasts out there too. So just like absorbing as much knowledge about it as you can with what you have, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I wish I did that too. I definitely did things. I ran and then I had to like go back and walk and then like, you know, which is fine. It is what it is. Like we're still here. We're still kicking and screaming, but it's, I'd rather have less screaming. (laughs) If I'm going to be honest, it's been a a bit of a headache to go backwards. But again, like it's, the process is never pretty. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know any entrepreneurs that it was perfectly easy and pretty. And, and that's just part of the, the journey as an entrepreneur. I feel like it's like a lot of ups and downs. But it's like about you just like you got to just keep going no matter if you get if you make zero dollars, if you get zero likes, if you get accepted to zero pop ups, like whatever. You just like have to keep going because it's your passion. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So when people are, let's say I, I want to start a boutique and I'm like, OK, I know the style that I want. I know the name, like the nose, those basic nitty gritty pieces of the business. Like, what's the manufacturing process like? Did you just, like, have an idea in your head and then went to a manufacturer and you're like, hey, this is what I want to create? Or do you go, like, is there a manufacturer database where they have, like, items and then you pick and choose? Like, how does that even, I don't understand anything about that sort of world. Yeah. So this is actually huge. And I get asked this all the time, especially if I'm doing an in-person pop-up. Do I make the clothes? No, I do not make any of the clothes that I sell. I wish I did because I would be so much cooler, but I don't make any of the clothes. So in boutique land, I will tell you that most boutique owners 
or boutiques in general buy from other vendors or they have their own products manufactured. Typically, if you're a larger boutique or retailer like Urban Outfitters, I feel like they manufacture most of their clothing. So they like produce it themselves. They design it themselves. They have like a design team. I do not have any of that. It's just me. So I buy directly from vendors who manufacture and produce all of their clothing in China and everything is shipped from China to LA Fashion District where all the vendors kind of are. And so when I buy from them, it's shipped to me from LA. So it'll take like a week to come in typically. But the really, really unfortunate thing and one of the biggest struggles I have faced is the way clothing is manufactured, um, just like in general in boutique land, is uh, you buy everything in a pack size. And a pack size is six units, and six units consist of two smalls, two mediums, and two larges. There are no extra larges. There are no 2XLs. There are no 3XLs. So whenever I buy, like, a black t-shirt, I'm typically buying, you know, well, if it's like a checkered print one, which sells really well, I'm buying multiple packs. But just in general, everything is produced in sizes small, medium, large. And I get so many requests all the time. Why don't you carry this in XL? Why don't you carry this in 2XL? Like I would buy all of your clothes and that, and I want to serve you. I do like to the plus size curvy customers. And like, cause I resonate with them. Like at Belk, curvy was my section and I merchandised it. I trained on it. It was like my jam. And so I understand, you know, where they're coming from. Like they just want to wear cool clothes too. But the problem is not everything is manufactured in curvy sizes. And I Mm -hmm. I'm very intentional about if I carry this checkered top in sizes small to large, I also want it to be the same exact top in sizes all the way up to 3XL, but not everything is manufactured that way. I would say about maybe like 1% to 2% of my inventory that I find is manufactured up to curvy sizes, which is so fucked up, quite frankly, and it pisses me off and it pisses off a lot of other people. But, you know, what some of the boutique owners are doing, especially me, like if I go to market and market is a big event and like, for example, they have one in, in Las Vegas that I just went to and it's called Magic. And it's all of these vendors who I buy from and this big convention center type thing. And they're just like popped up with like sample racks and you just go through and you say, OK, this would work for my store like I want you know, one of these, one of these, and then they ship it to you. If if everything that the vendor carries is small to large, I, in that, in that moment, can go talk to the vendor in person and tell them, hey, this would be great in sizes XL to 3XL. Could you possibly add on an additional units, you know, to my order? So I can negotiate there. So I do give the vendors a lot of pushback when I can, but I'm just one person. It's going to take all of us trying to change that whole manufacturing problem that there is right now which is so huge in our industry unfortunately yeah yeah well as the demand increases the people selling it are going to have to respond to the demand and those who probably will respond are going to do really really well mm -hmm. for the sake of like there's a lot of people who want that mm -hmm. so you know I, I it's probably there's a couple of reasons why they don't do it probably ease of just doing things how they're done and also if we're looking in comparison from you know, Asia to America, we obviously were, we're built very, very differently, both yes. in the sense of like how we look at things, but also how we're physically built. Yes. But, so I didn't know that for 
manufacturing and choosing clothes. Like I thought you were just going online and like maybe like press, you know, like purchasing a shirt and crossing our fingers and hope you like it. I didn't realize you could actually go to an event and actually talk with these vendors, mm-hmm. feel the clothing. Yeah. Not that you're going to smell it, but like I'm a big person. <laughs> like I, I don't like to buy stuff online unless I can physically, physically go to the store yeah. and feel the item and try it on it. Maybe not even try it on, but just like know what I'm buying and getting my, you know, getting involved with. So that's so, so helpful to know. Yeah. And those events are really, really cool. They're probably my favorite, one of my favorite things about run a new boutique business because you can go to these events and if you want to go with me one day gabby i can totally take you and tell them you like work for me i would love to go (laughs) but they have them in like vegas they have them in dallas they have them in atlanta georgia oh i went to one in new york they're my favorite thing to do and it's really good because when i do buy from my vendors most of the time it's online and i can't you know i mean they'll call and talk to me but you know nothing beats an in-person conversation you can negotiate you can like maybe get them to talk you you know like talk your costs down give you free shipping something tell them about curvy sizes so yeah I love going to market and it's just so fun because it's always a few months in advance like right now if I were to go to market they would be showing for spring so it's really it's really fun like trend research so what are some like common misconceptions about running a retail business because Okay, we talked about one about like the sizing and stuff like that and some stipulations between the mar- the manufacturers and all that. But like what are there other things that I don't think people are aware of that you want them to know, uh, whether they want to re- launch a retail business or they're consumers of said businesses? Yeah, so I think there's probably a misconception out there that running a boutique is like glamorous and you just buy clothes. But like, bro, <laughs> we're not just like buying clothes. I have learned that buying clothes and buying in general, there's a science behind it, like inventory management. And these, you know, I learned a lot from, honestly, my job at Lowe's because I was on a merchandising team. Like it was essentially a buying department. So there was, you know, a supply chain planner, demand planner. I learned a lot about that there. But then I also, the courses that I took and shout out to my girl, Emily Benson. She is a retail consultant but she has all these courses if you're a new boutique owner at any level that I would highly recommend to listen to her podcast take some courses she has a bunch of free courses it's called stylish 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 and successful was her handle on Instagram but through taking her courses I learned a lot about inventory management and all of those things so it's not just buying clothes like you have to buy clothes the right way or you're not going to make a profit at the end of the day so it's not yeah, as blamers. And marketing too. Absolutely. Like if people don't know about you, you're not selling shit either. Like there's a science to literally I, all of this. Yes, there really is. Like you, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, yeah. So I, okay. Another thing that I have a question about is like when you talk about like profits and stuff like that, I'm sure it's really easy to like for business, not for businesses to go under, but like if it's not done correctly, I'm sure things can spin out really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like. Are there any things? Well, okay. First, is it a, as huge of an upfront investment as people believe it to be? Like, is it actually more accessible and approachable than it, you thought it would? And also, like, in terms of investing in yourself and your business and stuff like that, what are some things financially that people can wait to do maybe until they've had more success or they've made sales or things like that? Yeah. So I think it just depends for your initial investment what type of business you are. If mm-hmm. you're a service-based business, you're not going to have a lot of inventory you know, you're not going to have any inventory cost. You're just going to have, you're going to have, you're going to have fewer costs, I feel like. Now, when you're a product-based business like me, whether that be like jewelry or apparel, 
your costs are going to be a bit higher in the beginning. So I would say my initial investment on inventory was about $1,300. And that was about like six pieces. Yeah, like one pack of each. It wasn't very much at all. And then you have to pay, obviously, for your domain provider, like GoDaddy or whatever you use, and your e-commerce platform. I use Shopify. So I would say all in all, my initial investment just to get started and to get rolling was $1,500. And we just used, me and my husband use that out of our savings account. I didn't take out a loan or anything and I never have. And I don't to do that. We love, we love a profitable <laughs> yes. girly. Also, like yes. I thought that number was going to be way bigger. Like when you think about these major store, I mean, okay, we're not comparing you to a Macy's, but like it just. I can see because, again, my brain thinks of business, like all the things that I've had to pay for and this and that and the mistakes. And like, it's actually it's a lot more doable than I thought Mm -hmm. it would be, honestly. And I mean, it's still it's still an investment. Right. And it's a question mark if it's going to work. But like it's 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 in within reach for sure. Yes. And and it definitely is. And you can work like you can start a boutique with like one hundred dollars and just buy like jewelry because the cost of jewelry are a lot cheaper than they are apparel. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you could invest $100 and start selling a few earrings and necklaces if you wanted to. It just depends on your current situation, I think. And then things you could hold off on. I would say some people just like hire a graphic designer right off the bat. And I think that's definitely important for you. But you can also utilize, you know, Canva. I design everything in Canva. One day I have a graphic designer in mind. I want to hire like 100%. But I'm still growing, so I'm waiting mm-hmm. on that investment. But a lot of the things you can do yourself, like creating your own your own graphics, you don't have to hire a social media manager. You can run your Instagram and your Facebook yourself. And there's so there's just so much knowledge on podcasts, on the internet, on Google that you can just you know free resources. Because being an entrepreneur, you got to be resourceful AF. <laughs> so oh, yes, just you know, utilize Google as much as you can. And you don't, oh, a big one too is a photographer. Oh my gosh. You do not have to have a real photographer. My coach, Emily, who I was talking about earlier, talks about this all the time. You literally can take a photo on your iPhone, which this is what I do. I'm telling my secrets. All my photos, which look damn good, are taken on an iPhone, typically by my husband or one of the girls that works for me part-time. You just have to train them, but you don't need a fancy photographer. Mm-hmm. You don't need a fancy camera. You need a nice solid backdrop you can get on Amazon. It's not that expensive. You don't have to invest all of this money on what you think, like a photographer and a graphic designer and all the things. Those are things as you grow down the road, highly suggest. I think there's like this idea that everyone wants like it to be perfect in the beginning. Like I, I obviously I went through a phase of in my freelance business was helping a lot of people with podcasting. And I'll talk to them. They've never picked up a podcast, you know, microphone in their life. They've never done podcasting. They're like, hey, I want I want a show that looks just like X, Y, and Z. And they have like a full setup and they've got like three cameras and they have a cat, like all this stuff. <laughs> I'm like, do you realize that's like a $30,000 invest? Like this is not, we are not starting there. That's like way down the line. I'm not even at that point. Like we got, you have to start baby steps. Yes. And it's like, like kind of trim the fat a little bit in the yes. beginning yes. for it to be like somewhat, you have to write validate, experiment to validate. But mm-hmm. Um, I know the pain point of like wanting it to look a certain way and no one else is going to notice but you. Right. But uh, I yeah. And I definitely for my own experience, like I'm a couple of years um, past quit, like forward. I'm, I'm a longer quitter than you are. Yeah. But I definitely did. I spent too much in the beginning of my journey on people that I didn't necessarily need to hire and not. They were great hires. Great, great hires. Always. I recommend them to everyone if anyone's looking for um, audio editors or VAs or whatever. But 
I was in no place to be hiring. <laughs> I mm-hmm. should have been still doing it myself, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Yeah. Can't change the past. Yeah. And I think I'm a big perfectionist too. So I had to let go of that shit, man, because you are not going to be successful if you sit there and critique and try to perfect every little thing about your business. Um, you just got to let that shit go. You got to let your ego go. Like you, you just got to put that to the side and just keep yeah. going and use the resources that you have and just be excited about them. What's been the most challenging aspect of both being a quitter and like a business owner and running, you know, the show yourself? Well, running the show myself has been very challenging because I literally have like one part time girl. She helps a lot, but it's mostly just me. So I would say just kind of like figuring out as I go. Um, the mental piece behind of running a business is huge for me and probably for you too but um and most Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs out there like your mindsets and the way you just like think about your business is everything if you just sit there and think oh I'm not going to get any sales today oh no one's going to buy for me then and I have been this way before like nothing's going to happen you have to go in thinking like I can I can do this shit people love my style people want to buy from me like I have plenty of customers like your mindset has to be on on your a game like all the time so that was really challenging for me in the beginning because I had to learn that because I was very negative I had a lot of negative Mm self-talk in the beginning about my business and again I learned a lot of this in in my courses that I took about your mindset and all of that stuff and then listened to a lot of podcasts as well so that's big on like the entrepreneurial piece of it and then being a quitter of corporate America I can say that feels so damn good. It really <laughs> it did does. The thing. Ah, it's still kind of setting in. So for those of you that don't know, it literally happened August of 2023 of this year. So we're in December. So yeah, it's still setting in for me. But I like I am such a people person. I love being around people. And I was very close to my team, to my boss, to my I like a work wife, like my VP. Like I was so close to all of them and I still am but like it's just it it was weird going from being around people all day who I would talk to who knew who knew so much about me to just being alone in your house because I work from home and it, again it's just me so that's been hard for me because I'm like I said I'm a people person I'm a Leo I'm I'm a little more extroverted yeah. and and I know it's not going to be this way forever I'll have a team one day, like more people that I can talk to, but that's kind of been hard for me. But I've adjusted a little and it's good making, you know, internet friends like you and people, my Mm -hmm. girl gang, my customers, I could talk to them. But I do miss those like in-person conversations and seeing people every day. And I just get energized by being around other people too. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's a muscle you have to flex to purposely seek out connection. Like, and I don't just mean like, like, I, sure, in the DM, sliding into someone's DM saying, hey, but like I like even I go to coffee shops literally as much as I can purposely mm-hmm. to be around other individuals. Yeah. Like, even if I'm just chatting with the barista for five seconds. Yes. Who I mean, thankfully, all the people that I run into, I end up like having relationships with, even if they're just acquaintances, some of them become friends, friends. But like it, like it's human connection, like nothing can beat that. And mm-hmm. even though I think in corporate, a lot of my connections were like, hey, let's like mull over and shit talk the drama that's going on like yeah. we were trauma bonding essentially yeah and now it's a different sort of bonding with people but it's the human connection piece is yeah. really really hard for people I, I talk to quitters all the time and they're like yeah well I 
my friends are here and like I, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with my time. Like it's just it's a definitely a shift for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a big shift for me, even in the pandemic, whenever they sent us all to work from home for like two years, I freaked out because that was the first time in my life I'd ever just like been alone all the time. Like I used to be the yep. person who would I didn't leave my house all day. Oh, my God. I have to leave my house. Now I'm like, oh, my God. I haven't left my house since like Sunday, like WTF. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I do miss that human connection piece of it because, like I said, I am energized around other people and kind of being alone. Like, yes, I do enjoy my alone time. Sometimes it's a good like reset for me. But if you're going to put me with other people versus being alone, I'm going to choose to be with people. Yeah, same. It's also just really good for your mental health. Like, yeah. You just it, it, like, yeah, I, I notice if I go too long without talking to people, I the demons become really yeah. loud yeah and really really loud so yeah. i just it doesn't it's not great and the coffee shop thing it's funny you said that i try to do that at least once a week i don't care if you don't know anyone in the coffee shop like you said going and just talking to the um barista for a little minute a, a few minutes helps too and i'm just like being around the energy of other people it just makes me feel better i've found it's helped me to be more approachable in general because i feel like corporate the structure there is very much competitive. Mm -hmm. And in the business space, you need to be collaborative. Mm -hmm. So me going to, again, we'll use the coffee shop example, like it almost forces me to like make eye contact with people and smile and like be in a different space and like, hey, is someone sitting here? Can I sit next to you? Like, yeah, it, it's a it's I mean, that's a small little thing, but it's yeah, it like more people are coming into my world easily and I'm attracting more people and having natural conversations a lot better mm -hmm. because I've switched the mindset from like corporate mm -hmm. competitiveness to collaborativeness, mm -hmm. which is then seen in my connections Love in life. That. But it's it's a yeah, it's entrepreneurship is so fun. I'm like, why do we sign up for this? Like, I know. It's, it's like it's wonderful, but it's crazy. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So I'm wondering, of all the things you've experienced so far as a quitter and just in general, mm -hmm. depending on your boutique and everything, like if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Oh, gosh. I would tell that girl, don't fucking give up. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and it's going to get hard. Like, I think if I would have known how hard, I won't say hard, challenging entrepreneurship is in the beginning when I thought I had this idea, I don't think I would have done it, honestly, because I would have been like, holy shit, I can't do that. But I have learned mm -hmm. so much about myself since starting a business, and I truly feel like I'm a better person because of it. As cliche as that might sound, I have learned so much and grown so much as a person, which I'm incredibly grateful for. So I would tell my younger self, don't quit. And a big piece of that, too, is learn how to manage your finances, learn how to manage your money. Don't be intimidated by numbers don't be intimidated by you know debt like whatever you have going on because that's a big piece too of running a business is learning how to manage your money oh, as yeah. you know and I will be very honest I was very reckless with my credit cards in my early 20s I never saved my money I just blew it on fashion and booze not the smartest person so I do wish my younger self would have not done that even though I had a great time in my 20s I wish I would have, you know, taken some more financial courses and, and things like that. So, so yeah, I because those things, if you don't take care of them, you know, they're going to show up in your present day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So those are two really big things. And I'm just proud of myself that I kept going and I didn't give up. And I've gotten a handle now on my finances and my 
my money as best I can. I'm still learning, learning, but again, I've taken courses. I've educated myself. I'm not just like flying by the seat of my pants. You really have to take your business seriously if you want it to grow is what I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. And also I'm not my financial situation. Same thing. Like I, I, I've been there too. I get it. And also let's just like also acknowledge our system doesn't teach us about money naturally. Exactly. And especially as women, we don't, I was taught be pretty and be a good wife, not how to manage money. Like, and again, not that you have the same upbringing, but like it's a very different conversation between my sibling and I of how we were raised. But mm-hmm. it's hard to manage and understand money when you work a regular job mm-hmm. and when you take business into account, mm-hmm. which is a completely different scenario. There's you don't know when you're going to get the next paycheck. Yeah. You don't know when things are going to kind of come through. There's no certainty. Yeah. It's even harder. Yeah. So like give yourself credit. Like and I yeah. even have to maybe I'm saying it to myself. Like we have to give ourselves credit for like navigating a world that is set up for us to fail in addition to a world being in business that is really, really, really challenging, period. Yeah. And yeah. in the world, we're in a recession. Like, yeah. that's crazy. Why yeah. are we, you know, it's, the timing is wonderful for the future yeah. versions of us who are reaping the rewards of it. But for right now, it's a little sticky. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I felt the ripple effects of that too recently. But I think just, you know, figuring all that shit out now before you get fully invested is so important. And like you said, like in corporate America, you get that paycheck every two weeks. You get those benefits. Like you're just kind of like on autopilot, like you don't think about it. And then when you have your own business, yeah. you're like, oh, damn, I got to get my own health insurance. It's going to cost a little bit more than it did when I was at my corporate job. How am I going to you know, manage that? And you just have to be tighter, I would say, unless you're like a gazillionaire, but you have to be tighter with your money and, you know, set budgets, be very like, specific like cut out extra things that you don't need just to get your business going and off the ground because a lot of the money that you make especially like in my in boutique land you have to reinvest that money in inventory and inventory is not cheap it is expensive and I will be very upfront right now on my monthly buys I'm buying usually between three to five thousand dollars worth of inventory every month so that's a huge investment you have to put back into your business and then you have all of these other expenses there's as you know there's so many expenses like you have to buy shipping supplies and subscriptions and then you when I go do a pop-up event I have to pay a vendor fee um so there's it can and it can be very overwhelming like I'm overwhelmed at times but just learning how to manage that the best that you can and giving yourself grace with it like if you make a mistake like don't beat yourself up which I have done a lot but like learn from it and be like okay I'm not gonna make that same mistake again so yeah what better timing than right now in December when everyone's setting their goals for next year's like plant the seeds now of what patterns you're gonna break next year so that you don't do the same thing again and again even if you did like you're fine you're human but yeah yeah, we're yeah I feel like next year is gonna be a really really good year though absolutely it's 2024 gonna be 2024 it's crazy to think yeah well i i'm so glad you came on the podcast i'm so glad that you shared some nuggets i'm now like do i want to run a a boutique no way really so many things (laughs) we could like (laughs) do a collab i just like i i love fashion i actually here in austin there's this boutique called stella dallas that i'm like obsessed with like they know me by name like i'm always in their window shopping and so, like, I don't know. I just, I, and I always, I like shopping small too because I don't want to look like everyone else. And also, yes. I know business owners. So I'm like, I want to support y'all. Yes, so I'm always looking to, to buy stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, being a fashion girly and also being a small girly, I'm 4'11. It's really difficult to find stuff that's not only cute, but uh-huh. fits me. So I've always had the dream of having a boutique. But 
that's a dream for for not now because I, I definitely shouldn't put more on my plate. That I could just, be your I, niche, I though. Things, that could but... be like your target customer, like petite girlies who want to look cool and not look like everyone else. Like that's your customer right there. There you go. You could totally yeah. start the, the small boutique. aliens come to play. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I when I get to that point, I will definitely ask you questions Absolutely. or refer back to this episode. Yeah. But for people who want to know more about you, where can they find you? Do you have any like parting words before kind of we wrap up? Well, I feel like a celebrity, truly. Thank you. But yeah, you guys, if you are into clothes that are not like everyone else, like me and Gabby are, you can shop my website. It's called Shop Alora, A-L-O-R-A, Eden, E-D-E-N dot com. And then I'm also on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook as Shop Alora Eden. And then I think I set you guys a discount code up. 10% off your purchase with the code Gabby10 at checkout. Oh, I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. So for those of you listening, the links will be in the show notes as well as the discount code for the shop. Thank you so much for coming on. This was so great. Yeah. I learned so much. It went by so fast. Let's do it again. <laughs> Thanks, Alora. Thank you. <laughs>